Hollywood Talk is Jericho. It's New Year's Eve and time for the very last Duff McKagan joke of the week for 2021. Chris Jericho, Duff McKagan calling. Hope everybody's doing well there. Happy New Year, you know. Uh, hey, listen, I uh, swallowed some Scrabble tiles over the weekend. Uh, yesterday, actually, my next trip to the bathroom. Could spell disaster. Thank you very much. Goodbye. All right, Duff ending 2021 with a bang with the joke of the week. Happy New Year, Duff. Thanks for making us laugh all year long. And we look forward to more laughs and groans next year. Also looking forward to Chris Jericho's Rock and Rest and Rager at Sea. The Four Leaf Clover setting sail March 14th. Still some cabins left. Book yours at ChrisJerichoCruise.com. And don't forget, Fozzie is hitting the road again at the end of March. The next leg of the Save the World Tour starts March 31st in Detroit, Rock City. And this time we're heading to the West Coast as well. We'll be in California in May. Get your tickets at FozzyRock.com. Uh, don't forget about the VIP meet and greet. One of the best in the business. All information for that at FozzyRock.com as well. All right. Today on Talk is Jericho, it is the return of Michael Sweet from Striper. But this time Robert Sweet is with him. And they're recorded live on the Jericho Cruise. Robert and Michael Sweet, the brothers, are talking all about the formation of the band why they changed their name from Rock's Regime to Striper, what inspired the name Striper, what and who influenced their lyric writing, tales from the Sunset Strip in the early 80s, how they were able to tour with mainstream rock bands during the 80s. They talk, they talk about the difference between being a Christian rock band and being Christians in a rock band, how they constantly had to fight from uh, getting pigeonholed, talking about MTV, what it was like to be one of the most popular bands on the channel, but not get any radio play. They got some great stories about hanging out on the Sunset Strip in Hollywood, being mobbed in Australia, stealing road signs in California to hang in the studio. Lots of great tales from the magical time of the 80s. Robert and Michael Sweet from Striper, right here, right now on Talk is Jericho. So one of my favorite things about this cruise, since it's my cruise and I can do whatever the hell I want, I guess I can talk in this one now. Thank you. Uh, I like to book bands, uh, my favorite bands, and bands that I think uh, deserve a little bit more spotlight on them. And you guys got to see Striper. Obviously, you're all Striper fans because you're here, correct? Woo! Woo! And that's why we have Striper here tonight on the Jericho Cruise. So I want to have a conversation with the other biggest Striper fan on the boat, Joey Casada. It was my idea getting them here, by it, the way. Exactly. He's, he's, the, he's the brains. With uh, Michael and Robert Sweet of Striper! Woo! There you go. I almost feel like we should have tonight's show music. It's kind of a little Mike is here. Yes. Hey, y'all. Thank you for coming. So it's really cool for me because uh, uh, you guys just finished your set about an hour ago. And it was a great set on the cruise. And what I really loved is the crowd continued to grow and grow and grow during the performance. And that, to me, shows just how great of a band you are and the fact that people are just raving about Striper on the cruise. Uh, oh, man, that's so nice. But you know what? They're a great crowd. Yes. All of you are wonderful. 
really now, Chris, it, it, however you look at that, uh, you said a crowd, the crowd just continued to grow and grow. That could be a really good thing or a really bad thing. <laughs> well, no, if, if it's less and less, then it's bad. <laughs> no, that's really bad. If you, well, we've, if, had, if they, if they we've had our share of that, too. Trust me. <laughs> but I thought it would be interesting to discuss how uh, the two of you started a band. And, and you, you guys are very humble. And, and Mike's a jokester and Robert's very humble as well. Um, but I'll say this, and Joey, you can chime in. No joke, the the biggest Christian metal band of all time is Striper. <laughs> On top of that, the genre of Christian heavy metal, I know also too, I mean, just a great band across the board, but, but your genre of music, you basically created. Because when I was growing up before Striper, Christian bands were like the Rez Band, Petra, um, uh, sweet comfort, sweet comfort, and they looked like my dad. I love sweet comfort too. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm laughing, but I, I listen to sweet comfort and I love them. They were awesome. But anyway, but what I liked about Striper was that the first time I saw you guys, you guys looked cool, like Van Halen, or like they just looked like a great, cool guys that I would hang out with playing this great music. So you really did take this whole genre into a different direction. It became very successful and put it onto the mainstream map. Was that always your goal when you first started uh, uh, as this band? Go ahead, Rob. You, 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 okay, I'll tell you well, what, we'll, we'll play tag team wrestling. All right. Right here. So you go first, <laughs> okay. I'll go after you. Uh, you know, we wanted to be the band that um, was a rock and roll band that was Christians. Uh, when, I, when Mike and I grew up, I didn't know a lot about Christian bands. It wasn't something I really paid attention to. I know there's a lot of great bands out there but I really wasn't that much into it but wow was I really into rock and roll bands right mm -hmm. and by the time Michael and Oz and I had decided along with Tim to you know dedicate our lives to the Lord and to try to do this in the way that we do it um, we wanted it to be real we wanted to do what we do and, and we wanted to reach out to people, you know, who weren't Christians. And I, I don't know, I saw a lot of Christian bands playing churches and playing for Christian people, which is fine. But that's not what Mike and I wanted to do. We wanted to touch people who didn't know Jesus. We wanted it, you know, to be real. We didn't want to look down on anybody. We didn't want to act like we were better than anybody. We didn't we're not a holier-than-thou kind of band, but we really do believe in what we're saying. But we had just asked the Lord God, help us do this, and, and help it be real, and help it be good. Right, Mikey? Yeah, yeah. I, I just add to that really quickly. I recently, in the past few years, I've said quite a few times, and it's really caused a stir uh, that we're not a Christian band. And people say, what? That's kind of, yeah. How dare you? That's kind of true. <laughs> you know, but we're Christians in a rock band. In a band, right. And there's a difference. Like, I look at Petra as a Christian band. I look at uh, Sweet Comfort. I look at Res Band as Christian bands because they were Christians in a rock band, right? right? And they were brought up in the church right. for the most part. We weren't brought up in the church. We were brought up on the streets of L.A. playing Gazzari's, Troubadour, Whiskey, and we became Christians. Mm -hmm. And we just continue doing what we always did. Right. But with a different message. 
Right. You know, so we're a rock band that's comprised of Christians. We're really not a Christian band. But if people want to call us a Christian band, that's okay. But, you know, I view us as just a, a rock yeah, band, a great rock and roll that, band that decided to take a different path. And I, and I have to tell you, for me, it was kind of aggravating to walk into, say, Walmart or your local record store and see Striper put in the Christian section because that's not what we wanted to do right. at all. Right. We, we really wanted to, um, you know, reach the world. We wanted to touch people, and we knew that if you're pegged in that oh, here's a Christian band, it's going to lower your uh, ability to reach people. It pigeonholes you. Absolutely. And we didn't want it. And it just seemed to happen. And we were trying to kind of fight against it. But our, you know, our lyrics are so outspoken, you know, so out there in your face in a good way. I, I could see how maybe people would think that. But we, like Michael said, we're not really... A Christian band. We're really more but, Jehovah Witness metal, you know. Oh, <laughs> he's a, he's a big jokester. But, but I also think you know I was a Catholic school boy my whole life. I grew up in the '80s, and you know I related to you guys because I went to Catholic school, and I you know I grew up heavy metal fan in the '80s, and I needed someone to gravitate towards. I remember in my in my school we would sing Battle Hymn of the Republic, wow. and no one else knew the song. I knew it from soldiers. <laughs> so it was so nice. You know, even though you're saying that pigeonholed you, I don't think it did. I think people were Striper fans, and maybe they weren't, didn't even realize you were sending a message. I think that well, the good. music and, and the, the melodies and all that stuff was so great, and the guitar solos and the drums, yeah. that, yes, if you were Christian, you related to you, but it wasn't, a, it wasn't pigeonhole you guys into this one little genre. I, I almost saw it as like, is it in the 80s too, and we can talk more about this. To this day, every band needs a hook, a tag, a gimmick, if you will, right? And this is the time frame when a lot of my friends were listening to Venom, Slayer, Possessed, uh, Bathory, who are, who are the satanic metal bands. And I was never into it. I just thought it was kind of hokey and like, Satan, whatever. So this other side of the coin was when Striper came around, it was singing about the opposite stuff, which I thought was cool. But it was such a big difference if you're in a black metal band who is perceived as being heavy, and if you're in a Striper, you know, Christian type band, even though you're just playing great music, right. it was the lyrics that caused a great divide. Right. Did you and obviously you knew that. Oh yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, and I tell you, it's with a band like uh, Slayer, not just Slayer, but a, a number of other black metal bands. It, what's interesting is Striper. You know, we we read the Bible, we pray, we go to church, we believe in what the Bible says. So, by doing so, so to speak, we practice what we preach. Mm-hmm. We're not perfect. You know, in, Nobody in any, is. any sense of the word, we're not perfect, but we really do our best to represent Christ, represent God, and, and all that God stands for. But it's funny when you when you you hear about Slayer, and you think satanic band, pentagrams, evil, blah blah blah, 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 blah you know. Yeah. And then you know, Tom is a, is going to church every Sunday with his kids. You know, yeah, he's a Catholic, right. which is Chile. great. Yeah, that's which amazing. is great. But what my point is. It's, it's, it's the polar opposite right. of what they represent themselves as. Striper, on the other hand, you get what you get. 
Mm-hmm. We, we are what we are on stage and off stage. Right. It's not like we're going to the satanic church after we get off stage. No. You know what I mean? No. <laughs> you get what you get. And I want to say, you know what's incredible is we've, in our past, had so many, and I mean hardcore, real, devoted Satanists come up to us. I remember Mike and I, I forgot where we were playing in Europe somewhere, and a guy came downstairs to speak with us, and he said, I'm a Satanist. Yep. This is truly what I believe in, and there's power in it. But I want to say you're the biggest white metal band in the world. And I looked at him and I said, brother, because there's power in it. Yep. And I want you to connect with that power. And it's so wonderful to watch that happen where people are like, Wait, I'm a Satanist, but I've got to go see Striper. Well, there's so many. We've met Satanists over the years many times that are fans. They're big fans. Oh, there was a fans. show. There was a show on MTV back when I moved back to Massachusetts, maybe late '90s. Uh, and I don't know if anyone here remembers the name of the show, but they would basically show uh, three or four videos. And then they would get the reaction from the parents and then from the kids. Okay. Okay. Or from the, on this particular show, they would get the reaction from pastors, rabbis, priests, and then the polar opposite, which was the Church of Satan. And I was watching this at home. And they played Madonna like a prayer. They played another video. And then they played Soldiers Under Command. I'm like, oh, my gosh, what the heck? I got my popcorn. You know, I'm like, oh, I got to see this. Wow. And they asked the pastors the rabbis the priest are you familiar with this band no oh my gosh this is this is definitely not representing god and this is not right you know they were negative comments right mm-hmm. about the band striper soldiers under command was a video then they went to the satanist and they said do you know this band and in unison there were five or six of them sitting they said, Striper. And they said, we're big fans. And the the <laughs> that head amazing? of the Church of Satan in New York City was one of them. He said, oh, I love Striper. He you know, said, the message, oh, yeah. yeah the he said, I doesn't... love this song. I love this band. They're fantastic. I don't agree with what they sing about, polar opposite opinions, but I love them. It gave me chills. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That, wow. That's okay. because the music is so strong. The message obviously doesn't get through unless the music can back it up. I remember my friends and I, they would come to me and tell me about the you know, Iron Maiden solos, the harmony solos. I go, yeah, oh yeah? Listen to Robert and Oz. I listen to Michael and Oz do their solos. And you know, we would always compare the two. Or you know, Robert and Oz. Or, or Robert and Oz. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, there was always that comparison from my group of friends anyway, between like an Iron Maiden or Slayer and Striper. But music-wise, it all fit together. Yeah, yeah. You know, would it be okay if I just told you a little story? That's um, why we're here. Tell stories. Um, back in 1984, Michael, remember, we had a guy, I think his name was Jeff, and he said he was a Satanist, but he would come religiously to Striper rehearsals in the early days. But, you know, and I mean, there would be hundreds of people, guys. We, we did rehearsals where the garage would be full and there'd be people pouring out onto the front lawn. We started opening the garage door because we, we couldn't fit everybody. It, it, <laughs> it was crazy. But he would sit there with his satanic Bible and do his chants and light his candles. And, and I'd be like, well, okay. And he said, you guys are the only 
Christians that have loved me and been there for me. I said, really? And then he, uh, he told me a story of how he had a teacher in high school. He was a senior at that time. And uh, he didn't like this teacher. So he said he was going to go home and open his satanic Bible and, and, and put a, like a curse or whatever on his teacher to break his jaw because he didn't like the things he was saying. Well, I saw the guy a couple weeks ago and his jaw was broken. Hmm. And he said, well, what happened is I didn't know he was a Christian. And when I do these incantations, if you put it against someone that's really a Christian, it doesn't come back. And I got hit by a car going like eight miles an hour at, at a walkway, and it knocked me down, and I broke my jaw, and his jaw was wired. And I said, wow. see, Jeff, I understand that you're looking for power, but really the power is in the place you haven't looked. It's Jesus. Hmm. And I remember him saying, I'm going to look into that. Hmm. That's the, the power right there of the Spirit. Yeah. You're getting heavy on us, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there are a lot of things that nobody likes to do, like calling somebody back when they text you we need to talk, or cardio every day, or running the ropes when you're first getting started in wrestling. And I'm sure everyone can add scooping cat litter to that list as well. I know we all love our cute little feline family members, but the smell, the scooping, the scraping of stuck-on mess, nobody loves that. Problem solved, however, thanks to Arm & Hammer Slide Litter, the litter that slides right out, leaving nothing behind. You still may not love cleaning the litter box, but now you can just slide out the funk. Arm & Hammer Slide Litter. More power to you. Let's go back a bit to pre-striper days, because you guys did grow up playing on the Sunset Strip in yes. the golden era, 83, 84, I mean, just tell us a little bit what it was like in those days, and where did you fit in as Rock's regime, which is one of the great names in rock and roll history. I'll give you my quick <laughs> two cents humor aside, but it's for real. It's humorous, but it's for real. I remember going down there. You know, I used to go down to Hollywood, and I'd get rides from uh, people. A friend of mine, hey, can you take me down to Hollywood? Me and my buddy Greg or whatever, Greg Rammeyer, yeah. of course. And... Uh, yeah, we'll take you and drop you off, but we can only drop you off. You got to get a ride back. So we, oh, yeah, that's crazy. Fine. Who cares? <laughs> so we go down. They drive us an hour to Hollywood, drop us off on Sunset Strip, and we'd stay there and check out all these bands. We go see Wasp in one club. Then we go down the street and we see Motley Crue. And we go down the street and we see Rat, and uh, have a good time, you know. And then 1 a.m. we need a ride home, right? And uh, no we, Uber, <laughs> no Uber, no Lyft. And basically, what we would do is, you know, we would meet somebody, uh, and that would be generous enough to give us a ride home. Yeah, you know, I'd buy him a drink or whatever, yeah. Coca Cola, root beer, right, Sprite, right, right. Uh -huh. <laughs> two of them, whatever. Yeah, uh huh. <laughs> and they'd, they'd give us a ride home. And I'm talking, and I'd say, they'd say, how, how far do you live from here? I got 20 minutes. It was you know? a long ways. <laughs> God was watching out over And we're you. driving like 25 minutes in. They're like, uh, you said 20 minutes. It's 25. I say, yeah, it's like five minutes down the road. You know? It's like another 30 minutes. <laughs> five more minutes. Five more minutes. He, <laughs> and we, they'd drop us off and we'd go home. But uh, we did that often. And I'll never forget, you know, the scene down there, you'd... When they would drop, when my buddy would drop us off, and we'd walk around, and we'd go from club to club and see all these different bands, 
it was insane. There was this incredible magic moment where yep. so many people just loving the music. And, and you could see all these different bands. The thing you had to be very cautious of, every guy looked like a girl. <laughs> well, I could tell. Okay, the so you would literally be walking down the street, and you'd be like, "Wow, you know, nice, nice butt," you know. And then a guy would turn around. Oh, that's same. a guy. Uh, that guy's got a nice butt, but you know what? Let's, let's... <laughs> he must work out. Our our first time in Hollywood was June of 1980, and Michael hadn't. The next month, you would have been uh, 17, but you were 16. And I had just turned 20, and it was such an exciting time. And we were dipping our feet into the water of Hollywood, and it was, it was really wonderful. So what, what finally prompted you guys to become Striper and kind of accept the Lord to go to the, in this other direction? Well, I'll just say my my part of it and then rob you you uh, you know add to that i um i'll never forget when we were standing out we we became christians when i was uh, almost 13 years old 12 years old through jimmy swaggart wow from watching him on tv wow. robert robert started watching jimmy swaggart and 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 it's like trying to you know get the family to watch and we all started watching and he hated us yeah. yeah, it's like, what is this? This is, come on, man, dude, this is boring. What is this? You know, Jimmy Swagger. And then he started singing, and he sounded like Elvis Presley. Hmm. And instantaneously, it was like, oh, wow, this is cool. Wasn't he like Jerry Lee Lewis's cousin yes. or something like that? Yes. Right. So Jerry he had Lee Lewis's and Mickey Gilly. Mickey wow. Gilly, three cousins. No kidding. They all played piano the same, and they all sang somewhat similar. And Jimmy started saying, oh, you know, it's like Elvis. <laughs> It's like, what the heck is this? This is cool. And my dad was a huge Elvis fan, and instantly he gravitated towards that. And we all started watching Jimmy Swagger. And after so many, uh, you know, weeks of watching Jimmy Swagger, we literally all received Christ through Jimmy Swagger. Hmm. 1975. Yeah. And we went and got involved in a Southern Baptist church, First Southern Baptist, right. because that's what Jimmy Swagger was. Right. And became Christians and. You know, did that whole thing. And then Robert and I kind of started playing the club scene, walked away from that, and got caught up in the, the typical cliche club scene life. You know, whatever you want to call it, sex, drugs, rock and roll, all that, that whole thing. And we saw firsthand a, a lot of our friends going down paths that we didn't really want to go down. I, I remember... Um, um, there was, uh, who was the guy that, uh, Arthur Blessed carried a cross. Oh, yes. Him and his team, his, his team carried a good cross down Sunset Boulevard. And I was standing outside Gazar's with Stephen Piercy. And they came up to me and they started preaching to me. And I'm sitting there knowing in my heart that what they were saying was right. Right. Mm. But I'm sitting there sucking down, a, you know, whatever. Of course. Smoking a, a Sherman, trying to be cool. A <laughs> Sherman. <laughs> and with Stephen Piercy and listening to them and kind of blowing them off. And I realized, like, you know what? What those guys said, every word they said was absolutely true. And fast forward to Kenny Metcalf, a friend of ours that we met who became a Christian. He came into our studio and said, guys, you got to give your life, give your band to Christ, and he's going to do amazing things with you. And we're like, yeah, yeah. The first reaction was, okay, whatever. Mm. And then we eventually did. 
And then we had Michael Guido come into the band. And long story short, I'm rambling, I know. Uh, we decided to just commit the band to Christ, change all the lyrics, and the rest is history. That was it. You Are know, you Striper at this point yet? We were Rock's regime Still. at this yeah, point. Yeah, we had. And try action. saying that, Rock's regime. Rock's yeah, it's regime. a hard See, one. That's to, why we changed it to Striper. <laughs> we had to change it. But, you know, I felt that God had always had his hand on us. Okay? I was the kind of guy at 20 years old being honest with God. And I said, okay, God, look, I don't know if it's right or wrong, but I, I want to go out tonight and have fun. And I'm probably going to drink four or five beers, but God, would you protect me? Would you watch out over me? And, and he did. Yep. And I always felt there was something there that was so magnificent, so beautiful. I still feel it today. I see yep. it. I know it. I live it. Yep. And, you know, we just had to grow up. You know, we were young and we had to get to that point where you commit, you know, and I have to tell you, man, we committed and it was amazing. Yeah. What was it, 83 when we made the 83. decision? 83. And once we committed, I feel like God put his stamp of approval on it and went, I'm with you. And we knew it would be tough. We went out and started gigging, singing about Jesus. And with bands like Anthrax at, mm -hmm. at you know, Receipt Country Club. Yeah. And everybody was spitting on us and, and whatnot. And I'm just thinking, okay, this is going to be tough. Right. And this ain't going to be easy. It is tough, guys. It's not easy because people don't understand you or they don't want to understand you or they totally understand you, if that makes any sense. But we were... Um, I kind of looked at it like I was naive, and I, I, I felt like God had allowed me to, to be naive to do this, because if I wasn't, I might not have done it. So we just felt in our hearts it was so real and so amazing, and God had kind of come upon us and said, okay, here are all the signs, people coming to you saying this, this is happening, this is happening, and it all fell into place. Yep. And then it just took off like a rocket ship. Thanks to NHTSA for supporting Talk is Jericho. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Ah, but why bother? You live nearby. You can make it home okay, right? It's no big deal. What are the odds you're going to get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You kill someone. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop people from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Let me ask you a quick question. It's one of the most uh, integral moments of any band, deciding on the name. And Striper, uh, obviously, is from a Bible quote, by his stripes we are healed. The classic Isaiah 53.5, which everyone, every Striper fan knows. Was there other names that you had, were considering? And how did you come up with Striper? Listen, I'm, I'm going to be really honest here, because, hey, that's, no, that's, that's how it is. I... 
I came up with the name Striper, and it just entered my head one night. I mean... Had you just heard a sermon of Isaiah no, or something? No, no, or? no, 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 no. Uh, Michael Guido had, after the name, had come and said, hey, you gotta, this is a cool verse to add to it, Isaiah 53, 5, which is amazing, truly amazing. By his stripes, we are healed. So you came up with Striper first? Yes. That's how I remember it. And I... We all I, remember it a little differently. Uh -oh. <laughs> well, you know, everything can be right on in the truth, and, but you see it from different perspectives. How do you remember it, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> but um, now I remember. I mean, Rob. Here's the deal. Rob's the visual dude. Right. It, it all you know. Rob was the guy who, when we were going out to Hollywood, getting dropped off, right, and no ride home, he was there taping guitars and drums. He was the visual dude and, and had all that. Lots stuff. of them. And obviously, that's. Just as important as anything else, the music, you know, all the message and whatnot. But the way I, re I recall it is, I remember the name Rock's Regime, which Rob came up with. Rob came up with Rock's Regime. He he was a, a big in the military. All right, uh, gotcha. And I thought, you know, that's cool. Rock's Regime is cool. And but I, I every time I would somebody would say, "Dude, what's your name? What's the name of the band?" I say Rock's Regime. What? what? What did you say? Yeah. <laughs> Too hard and I'd to say Rock's Regime. And they'd say, what was that? <laughs> and then I would say, this name sucks. At that point, <laughs> mentally, in my head. That's true. Th we have to lose <laughs> this name. But I never, you know, I went along with it because it's like, okay, Rock's Regime. It's your big we, brother. Well, we, we, we had an established group of followers under the name Rock's Regime. Then when we signed with Enigma, and the label thought the name sucks. True. That's when I thought, woo! <laughs> That's all true. Right? And, and then they said, can you come up with a different name? And we started passing around, writing down different names, all these names. We were sitting there like for a good week plus, maybe two weeks. Do you weeks. remember any of them? Oh, gosh. Well, before Rock's Regime, we were called Aftermath and Firestorm. Obviously, there's like 12 bands with that see, name. To this see you day. later. <laughs> bye bye. But we we wrote down a bunch of different names. I don't e I I don't remember. I mm -hmm. wish I did, right. so I can make you guys laugh. <laughs> but I don't. Captain Geach and the Shrimp Shack Shooters. <laughs> that was one of them. <laughs> um, and, and Striper was the perfect but one. But Striper, I remember, I'm not sure, maybe Rob did come up with it. I, don't, I really don't recall, but I remember Striper being a name on the list and everyone saying, that's it. Well, and then the, uh, by his stripes were healed came, and then the acronym, Salvation Through Redemption, right. Yielding Peace, Encouragement, and Righteousness came as well. Yeah, that was, that was the last one. I'm telling you. I came up with it, but I really didn't come up with it, okay? I mean, I was sitting there going, God, what do we do? And the guys were gone. I was by myself, and I said, what are we going to call ourselves? And there it was. I mean, you know, people have said, oh, there was this band called Striker. I knew nothing about them. Striker. With Striker. a K. With a K. I knew, honest to goodness, I knew nothing about them. I just, it just kind of just happened in the, I mean, I'm not that smart to, to, to come up with it. <laughs> he I, is. I, he really is. I, 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 I really feel like, you know, the Lord God gives us 
what it is that we Amen. we do, you know? Right. It's his glory. It's his spirit. One so. thing I'll add. Once Robert said, hey, dude, would you consider wearing yellow and black underwear? I drew the line right there. <laughs> so how, how did you well, decide not yellow he and meant, black? He meant yellow in the front and black in the back. <laughs> I... I never said that, but and I said no. I'm yellow, not doing that. Yellow and black stripes. And the weird thing is, I was never really into yellow that much, but I liked the stripe combination because I remember people going, "I can't remember the name, but it was the guys in the yellow and black stripes." So I'm like, "Yes." Why those two colors? I don't. I well, I just thought it looked cool together, and then I realized, wait a minute, they put them on the highways. Hold on, you, you got to add to. You got to add. The, the, tell them the 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 origin uh, origin of that story, and which is we would literally in the early days before Striper, we would go out and we would steal road signs. <laughs> Yellow and black road signs. Tell them yeah, that. Yeah, we, tell we, them, we, come we, on, we, Rob. Come on. The statue of God is making us look bad. Okay. We would no, go out, we'd go we, like, hey man, is anyone looking? And we'd go and we'd like take these road signs and put them on the, on the walls of the studio because they were yellow and black. Well, a couple of railroad signs with the R and the R rocks regime. <laughs> and I never got to keep those. I wish I still had them. But I just thought the yellow and black, it, that's why they use it on the freeway, right? It grabs yeah. your attention. Okay. Yeah. And we weren't the first guys to use yellow and black stripes there were other people that well, had done Eddie it, Van Halen but not right. to the level that we did it and yeah. we went insane with it and it worked I All right, mean, let, let me let me just step in here because I first saw striper there was a show in Canada called W5 it was kind of like a 60 minutes W5 who what when where why and they had a report on this Christian heavy metal band called striper that's the first time I ever saw you guys and knew none of your names, didn't know what the hell was going on. And there was this super cool looking blonde drummer. It was like soft spoken Robert Sweet becomes demon drummer on stage. <laughs> and it shows you doing a drum solo. And then you're talking, you, I don't even remember this. You're talking about why you use yellow and black. You're going to laugh if you don't remember this. It's like scientist Robert Sweet here goes, let's talk about the bumblebee. He goes, science says the bumblebee can't fly. Aerodynamically, I don't know exactly why, but the bumblebee flies. Same as Striper. People say you can't play Christian heavy metal, but we can play Christian heavy metal. Do you remember this? Yes, I do. The science says because of the shape of the bumblebee, it can't fly, but it goes ahead and does it anyways. And I said, that's what we do. Yeah. It was great. Do you remember that? It was amazing. Yes, I do. One of my favorite Chris, moments. how old were you? Uh, 15, 14, wow. 15. Wow. And I actually remember my dad is sitting right over there, Teddy Irvin, New York Ranger legend. Stan, where are you? He got inducted into, into the Manitoba Hockey Hall of Fame, and we had to go to his uh, uh, induction cer ceremony. I had just gotten soldiers under command, and I was mad because I wanted to listen to my freaking Striper album, but I had to go to my dad's Hall of Fame induction instead. <laughs> Now, what did, what did your dad think about us then, when you were 15? What did you think about all that heavy metal music, Dad? I was scared for you. <laughs> you should still be. I, I understand that. But point being, that stood out to me, though, talking about the bumblebee. And you also said yellow and black are caution colors. Right. We yes. want to warn people yes. not to right. go to hell. Yes. That, really, that really hit me as a 14, 15-year-old kid. Good. You know? Excellent. Yeah. And by the way, I think your dad's cool. So dad, <laughs> right on. 
Chris had just, all the carpets replaced in here today for you guys, by the way. Look, yellow and black everywhere, oh, yeah, right? Right, yellow and black everywhere. Yeah, yellow and black. Yeah. I, just, I just thought it worked, you know. But it, like you said, it made people remember who you were. Yep. Now let's go a little bit further forward. You start making inroads. Are people totally against the fact that you guys are singing about Christianity and Jesus? <laughs> yeah, of I mean, we, we would go out and play, and, you know, there would be good shows. Uh, usually when we, we played a church, they would be, ah, you know, and then we'd go and play with anthrax, and it wouldn't be so good. And we know? didn't do a lot of churches, but there were a handful of churches that begged us right. to play. And I was kind of against it because I didn't want to yeah. kind of do that. But they were such wonderful people, yep. and they they loved us. And Absolutely. So, you know, we said, yeah. Yeah. But, so how did you convince the record company, though, like once again— a great rock and roll band that has Christian lyrics. Not a Christian, but this is a great rock and roll for the time frame. Because like Robert Sweet influenced on so many drummers, including this fellow right here. Michael Sweet is a guitar player, a singer. Today, you guys just killed it. Your voice is great. Your guitar solos are nuts. I had a couple great friends voice. of mine. Great voice. We were noticing how long your fingers are. <laughs> they're long. They're long. The true lo Whoa. longest thumb in the world. Looks like an extra joint. <laughs> Jeez, Louise. It goes it's smaller than my middle finger. That's your yeah, thumb? He, he can bend over. Kitty Arnauer. Basically, I, and I'm going to try to, like, you know, be, this is the PG version of this. <laughs> but Kitty Arnoff said, dude, what the heck, man? You know, I'll, I'll let you figure it out. <laughs> you know what they say about big thumbs. Anyways, yeah. um, point being, so, so your, your guitar playing, Oz's guitar playing, Rob's drumming, like everything is just all there. It was a very um, polarizing band, though, because, and by the way, all great bands are polarizing. So many people hated the Beatles when they were huge as well. You could listen to the playing of Striper up against anybody. Go, listen, I don't care what you think about lyrics, message, whatever. Listen to this. I just can't get over the, the, the message, man. I can't get over the lyrics, man. Did that start to bother you after a while? It's like, it yes. does. It, it bothers me a lot because... My my outlook on it is people are so tied to the cliche mentality of metal is this, right? It, it, it's 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 got to be you know about a dark lyric. It's got to be about that. It's got to be about angst. And it, you know, I always say, and I have recently in interviews that. You know, the devil is a creation by the creator. Right. God is the creator. So what's more metal than the creator? That's right. And we sing about God. There's no more metal than that. That's you know? right. And I'm not putting us on a pedestal. I'm just no. saying. You look at Old Testament God, there's nothing heavier and more vengeful than that. Yeah. And right. we will all see him one day. Yeah. Okay. And it was very frustrating for me. I remember seeing something, I think it was in the LA Times, that said, if you don't want to get a record deal, do what Striper's done. And I'm like, <laughs> wow. well, we have wow. a record and deal. And then we got but, a record deal like two months later. <laughs> but no, why were they yeah, saying that, Robert? What were be, you doing? Because, let's face it, guys, and in one sense I understand it, but the world doesn't right. want to be confronted with yep. Jesus. They kind of are, when I say the world, I mean a lot of people, and they don't like the message. Well, Jesus isn't popular. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, right. Absolutely. Simple as that. Uh, and I, in one sense, I understand. 
But, you know, when people finally realize it and they listen to it, I found that a lot of people go, you know what, I really do understand it now. I'm starting yeah. to get it. Yep. And, uh, you know, it's not a gimmick. I mean, it'd be the dumbest thing in the world to do as a gimmick. Well, why would you use, right. why would you use Jesus, who isn't popular in the worldview, as a gimmick? Yeah, and you right. know what, guys? I mean, you'd use something that would gain you, you more do some, success, you do not something different. that would work against that success. Lemmy once said to me when people uh, um, accused him of you. being a Nazi because he collected World Thank War II members, he goes, I've got long hair, I drink, I smoke, I've got a black girlfriend. I'm the worst Nazi ever. <laughs> Same thing with you guys. Why would you accept the Christian gimmick as a gimmick? Like you mentioned, Robert, it's the worst gimmick ever if you weren't serious about That's it. It makes no sense. It you makes know, no sense. I um, I get so tired, me personally, of people um, trying to connect Christianity with, well, I don't drink and I don't smoke and this and that. Islam does it better than anybody. Yep. I want people to see Jesus as that real force that comes into your life, loves you, helps you, is real. And, um, you know, with Striper, I didn't want... All I cared about, I didn't want a list of don'ts. I just wanted one do, and that's Jesus. And you know, when that connection happens, you work everything out. You know, it starts itself. It works. And, you know, through all our faults and all the problems and all whatever it is, Man, Jesus is real, and we love him so much. And, Amen. you know, we're sinners like everyone else. We make mistakes, we drop the ball. But he doesn't. And it's so amazing when you connect with that beautiful power that moves your heart and soul. And we have felt that, and that's the hope that we've wanted to put through the lyrics that the world hates. But once people know, once they grab a hold of it, they don't want to let go. Mm. Did you ever feel the press in the 80s, you know, when you guys were really, really popular, when Hell with the Devil came out? I never found that they really shoved the, any message down anyone's throat. It was Striper along with every other band and Hit Parade or on MTV and all that, and all that and if you wanted that message, you embraced it. If you didn't, I felt like it was just another great band from that era. I awesome. never thought that the press dictated anything towards you guys. Did you feel any negativity towards the press at all? Uh, yeah, well, not, not, not so much. I mean, I think back in those times, we were much more, the press was much more open to who we are and what we do. Well, you're also very successful as well, right? Well, that too, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, obviously, you know, with success obviously comes, if people want to talk to you, the more successful you are, and that's the way it works. But nowadays, though, we, I mean, we can't really get arrested. Uh, you know, it's, it's <laughs> I hard. You. You're on the Chris Jericho cruise. <laughs> we were arrested in Australia, I'll tell you that. All right. But, you know, the press did, certain press people did pull tricks. And in the early days, I was doing a lot of press on, like, say, Kerrang! magazine. They put me on the cover. And I didn't want to hold a Bible because I felt there, there was right. a motive here. There was right. a thing they were trying to do. And the guy kept going, 
Just, Robert, please. Yeah, but the funny oh. thing is, it's full circle because now they'd have uh, Blackie holding a Bible. Yes. He's, he's a believer but, now. Right. But, but I didn't want to because I felt like they were trying to yeah. pigeonhole us. Of course. And he said, listen, we won't even use the picture. I'm a fan. Would you just hold up the Bible? And the yeah. one time I did, yeah. they put it on the of cover. Course. And Never I'm like, okay, that, this right. is what we they We won't do. use the picture. Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> I had that happen with Metal Hammer magazine. We were doing a photo shoot. He goes, hold this cigar. I'm like, why? He goes, just, I, I like cigar. Like, right. Front, uh, front insert cover, Jericho. I look like the biggest loser boss hog smoking a cigar. <laughs> Can't trust those guys, right? And, <laughs> and you know, with the press, I was always asking God, please give me the words because I don't have it. Amen. And, um, you know, I remember there was someone who had this sticker. On, on a case and they used to razz me about it it was it was a woman and she this is a little off the cuff here but i'll get be back careful to rob it. this is 2021 I, be I, I, I i got it Earmuffs, everybody. And, uh, proceed with caution and uh for like two weeks she was out on the on the road with this and she would point to that sticker and in the sticker said um good girls go to heaven bad girls go everywhere and i'd be like well okay after about two weeks, I'm like, God, give me, give me the words. And uh, here came t about two weeks later, and she said, hey, I'm getting my cup of coffee. We're on a tour. She points at the sticker, and I said, but there's a couple words missing. And she said, well, what is it? I said, good girls go to heaven. Bad girls go everywhere except heaven. <laughs> she never brought it up again. Nice. And that's been Striper, in my opinion, our message is to break down those walls and help people to think of the realness of what we're saying. But here's to me another thing for, for me, obviously, I'm very influenced by Striper. Obviously, we're friends now and we have been for many years and that's very uh, special to me. But Striper influenced me just, not, not just from a, a Christian side. But you guys did help bring me me to God at least because that's wonderful. Wow! Because because it was something that I could relate to. Like I said, this wasn't Petra. It was Striper. These guys look cool. They play cool. I want to be a part of this. As I move forward in life, though, it's the fact that you guys stood up for what you believe in. It's the John Cougar Mellencamp. If you don't stand up for something, you'll fall for anything. That's right. And the fact that you guys start getting to number one on MTV and to hell is a huge success and God we trust a huge success. The fact you're still here today with a giant fan base, you never wavered from your original mission statement. Even though everyone was on your case and yeah. so many negative, so I always appreciated that side of Striper, which you might not even realize. You never quit. You always kept going as we don't give a shit what anybody thinks. We do our thing. If you like us, join us. If yeah. not, Great. God bless you. And we, that really made a, a big deal to me. It's really, well, that's powerful, man. Because, I mean, we've always had that mentality. And, you know, call it what it is, whatever. I, I don't know. We, we're not, uh, I wouldn't put us in the category of, you know, fearless men uh, or strong men. I don't know. I, I, I feel like I break, my wife can vouch for me on this. Lisa's sitting over there that I, I, I'm pretty fragile, you know. I break down pretty easy. We're artists. Like a, we all have. It's like the RV's like something's going on. Whoa, oh my God! Yeah. <laughs> but 
Mike lives in an RV now, by the way. He, he sold his house and he's traveling America having adventures in his RV with his wife, Lisa. It's true. Say hi, Lisa. Hey. They're, ha- yep. they're having fun with it. It's oh, something man. they Mike, always wanted to do. So they if you ever pull chance. up at my house, I'm just asking you got to say, shitter's full. Dude. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I get, I get, I watch, we watch Christmas Vacation every year. We have for many years, and I never really understood the shitter's full <laughs> until now. Literally, the shitter's full. And I stand out there. I'm going to tell you, there's something twisted and sick about having to sit there when you open the black water valve and you're watching it all empty out <laughs> like this. That's gross. And I've got rubber gloves up to my elbows. Like, you know, the kind you wear in a, you know, nuclear plant. You know, this is me. This is my life. It's a humbling. Watch those fingers. I don't want to do that. (laughs) Robert has a house. Yeah. But but, going back to what we were talking about, about always when you guys uh, were recording To Hell with the Devil, which is your biggest record, double platinum, triple platinum, worldwide famous, all across the board, 10 million, whatever it is. Did you ever have anybody saying, hey, can you... Turn down a little bit of this Christian stuff, and or were they on your oh, yeah. side at that point? Because you guys weren't huge at that point in time, but you sure were when the album came out. Yeah, well, a really yeah. quick story from one side and another story from another side regarding Enigma Records. They came before they signed us, and we showcased for them, and we performed, and all the all the Christian lyrics. Jesus is the way, you know. Right? How can you miss that? They apparently missed it. And when we wow. submitted when we <laughs> submitted the lyrics, they're like, "Oh, wait a minute! What are these lyrics?" They didn't hear them until they read. This them. is what I'm saying. This wow. is insane, right? How could you miss those lyrics? And they knew where we stood, so I thought, and we submitted all the lyrics, and they actually considered not working with us. Wow! They were actually like thrown off by that, and they signed us and everything the rest is history everything moved forward of course and then once interestingly enough once the album sold a hundred and fifty thousand and three go oh hey you guys are fantastic <laughs> we you love know? The jesus we, we love don't jesus. have a problem with these lyrics <laughs> all jesus, of a sudden jesus what a cat but <laughs> that's pretty much how it was i mean you know we're, we're laughing and everything but that's pretty much how it went down and then you fast forward to me when i was a solo artist and i signed a christian uh label to a Christian label, Benson. Uh, I had a, a lyric on the flip side of that. I had a lyric called J E S U S, and I went and met with the big board of people, and they're like, "Hey, uh, this is a fantastic song, but do you think you can get the name Jesus in there just a few more times?" <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking, people don't want to spell. You're it. kidding me, right? What is this a joke? Is this April Fools? What's happening the here? The song is called Jesus. So, it's not the amount. It's but this is. This is the, what you go through with labels. You know it, Chris. You, you've been with a number of labels. And it, you just kind of have to play that game to a degree and, you know, and go along with it. It's the way it works. I've you know, um, something that um, our buddy Wes Hine, who with his brother owned Enigma Records, he said to me, yeah, we were kind of concerned over the Christian lyrics, but you guys are a good band. And the music's great. So we're doing it. Mm-hmm. And so that was always the thing. You have to be a good band. And I, 
a lot of the Christian bands we saw, they were good, but yep. we had ju- we had that desire. You know, we wanted yeah. to be the band that would be on MTV. Yeah. Not that we're better than anybody else. We're not. But our thinking was, dude, you know, if you don't like the lyrics, well, then you've got to like the music. Right. So we're yep. going to do it right. Yep. Yep. I always love the fact, too, like, you, once again, for those that don't know, these guys started a whole genre of of, mu- of metal in the late '80s, where suddenly all these Christian metal bands popped up, and a lot of them are really great: Baron Cross and Guardian and White Cross and Bride, and there's so many of them. Yeah. Uh, Sacred Warrior, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. X Sinner, X Sinner, X Sinner. But you guys, nor should have you. You could have gone out as a package, or as a Striper and Baron Cross and Guardian. But it was Striper and White Lion and Striper right. and Lynch Mob. And I like that fact. But how did you feel about all the bands coming out of, not out of the war? Because they're all great bands. You started a whole genre. Did you ever think about that and go like, wow, like Blood Good. Like we kind of started this or was it just like the more the merrier type thing? We or? always felt like, from what I recall, and, and I know Rob will agree with this, we, we always felt like, you know, we wanted to play with bands that would bring in their audience that might not be Christian. So we right. have the opportunity to share with them what what we're doing you know that's why we didn't play with other christian bands we usually play with you know white lion tnt loudness all these other hurricane all these other bands and there was a purpose for that and uh you know we had we had a plan in place and it it, it worked i mean we go out and play with white lion and you know i'd get high off of the the pot in the air you know in the <laughs> arena Twenty thousand people man it was like I, I remember singing the first song thinking, dang, I'm stoned, I think. <laughs> uh, but and, and then we'd have the opportunity to sing and share, but it was never in a forceful way. We did it in our own way. We let the music do the talking. And it was interesting because after the show, many times we would pray with people and talk to people. But again, never in a, hey, you have to accept, you know, you're going to burn in hell. It was never like that, and nor will it ever be. Mm. That's not what we do nor how we do it. Uh, so it was really cool. You know, and, and we'd have dinner with White Lion and they would start asking questions and we would pray with them and just really cool how those doors opened. Incredible. You know how you hear that saying that there's, uh, um, sh- um, what's the saying, sheeps and wolf clothing? Or, um, Wolves in sheep's yeah. clothing. Well, we wanted to be sheep and wolf's clothing, kind of. <laughs> we nice. wanted... You know, it's, we, we just wanted to be real with what we did, so we were, but we did want to make an impact. And, you know, Striper's not the biggest band in the world. You never hear us on the radio. Radio doesn't want to play it. But we always looked at it as this is Judgment Day stuff. And one day we're all leaving this world, right? I mean, I hope we all get to hang out as long as possible and have a wonderful life, but... One day it ends and goes away. So we always felt that standing up in front of the world and having the courage, and it does take courage, to do what we did, that's... Yep. That's Judgment Day yeah. stuff. Yeah. That kind of yes. leads to the next question. You know, you guys are still making great music. We're talking about all the older stuff. You're one of the few bands out there that are still making great records year after year. Number one, why do you think that is? Why do you think a lot of bands from that era are not doing that and they're just living off their nostalgia? And what do you think the benefits are of releasing that new music today? Well, if I can just add, first of all, Mike's a great, Mike's a great songwriter. Yes. 
one of the best. Okay, and it seems to come to him very easy. So, go ahead, Mike. Dude, before you say, Mike, today's set was a great set. You played one new song, Divider. This is one of the rare bands where I was like, play more new stuff. Play more new stuff. <laughs> right. So, Tomorrow, which is rare. We're, we're going to play a few more new, newer songs. But that's a good place to be. Yeah, it, it is. And it, it, the thing about, uh, Joey, your, your question, it, it's important. I think a lot of times bands lose the passion. And, and a lot of times I heard uh, an interview, I read an interview, excuse me, with Paul Stanley where he actually said, uh, you know, and I'm not quoting, uh, but it's, it's something uh, to the degree of he said, it's not worth making new records anymore. It's not worth it because people don't buy it. They don't want to hear it. And I, I played with Boston briefly, and I'm not name dropping. I just it's great. I played with him in 08. It's great. And, and I'll never forget it. When we would go in, we would play rock and roll band and peace of mind and every woo, you know, with their beer, their beers up in the air, like woo, yeah, yeah. I know this one. Yeah, and then we'd go into corporate America, you know, and you would literally see everyone empty out to go pee. Wow. The venue would empty out, and I just thought to myself, that's the first time I realized, like, wow, people don't care. The majority, right of the new they don't care about the new songs unless you make it as good as the old songs well, that's right. the key right why not well, here's some here's a thought why not write songs that are as good as that yeah or try to mm-hmm. and i think a lot of bands just kind of give up so striper is a band that whether we hit or miss we really try to write songs that are comparable to the past that are as good and, and, and it's a tough line because you've got to merge the old with the new, the old sound with the new sound. How do you do that? I have no idea. We're trying to figure it out. But I think some of our new songs are just as good as some of the old songs. And we throw them into the set, and people seem to like them. So far, we haven't seen anyone going to pee. Yeah. <laughs> Except Chris. Chris went today to pee during Divider. Well, I, I just peed in my red cup as I drop it. I just peed while I was watching it. That was an old concert trick, by the way. Back in the day, when you went to like a Motley Crue gig or something, you would go all the way to the front, and if you had to pee, you couldn't leave because you couldn't get back up, so you would just kind of discreetly pee in like a cup. Oh, my God. Everyone's watching Motley Crue, no one's watching me. (laughs) A couple last things. When when you guys, uh, uh, I actually got, I could talk to you guys for for seven hours here, but when you started to get on MTV with, with Calling on You and Free, and it was number one, Dial MTV was the big thing at the time. Robert mentioned that Striper was never on the radio. Granted, Winnipeg, grew up, never heard Striper once on the radio. But MTV was huge. And that's because the song is great. But people have to call in to make that happen. Once again, you guys crested the wave of this Christian, 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 Christian. Well, these guys are great. We love them. That must have been kind of a, a cool pat on the back for you guys to know incredible. we did it our way and made it work. It was incredible because, you know, before Dial MTV, MTV didn't want to play us. Nope. They always had an excuse why they wouldn't play us. Yeah. Oh, this is too patriotic. Oh, this is that. This is a. It was. There was always some reason why they didn't want to play us. And then when MT, Dial MTV came, it was based on the fans. So they had to play us. And I think they had to, you know, basically eat crow and whatever, humble pie, whatever you want to term it. And they had to play us. And and then to see Striper up against Poison, Motley Crue, Bon Jovi, and going to number one, 
They didn't I mean, like that. What world? What world is that? That you know? Who didn't like that, Robert? <laughs> uh, the people at MTV, some of the band's managers. Like, I heard a story that Wayne Isham, the director that did, was it just was it? He did calling on you and did free. Did you do free? Okay. Yeah. Well, I heard that. There was a very famous manager who does Motley Crue, for example, does Kiss. Uh, that, that rock movie. That, <laughs> that they had personally hired Wayne Isham on a full-time basis, and part of the condition was you can't do this next Striper video. Really? Wow. Because Free had gone to number one, and they didn't want that. I you know what? This that. sounds good. I like this story. <laughs> no, it's I'm, I'm <laughs> no, I like serious. It. No, I believe it. I like it. I'm, I and, like uh, it. it. It's so sad. You know, you you see that out there, and well, because our videos kept for whatever reason. And humbly, I say this: they kept going to number one, and it was really amazing to be a part of that and to see. And because we had so many fans that were calling in and taking those videos to number one. Yep. Because you knew it was the fans that were doing it. Right. Yep, the yep. fans were doing it. Yep. We couldn't have done it without you guys. But See how wonderful all of you are? It didn't matter who directed those videos. The videos are great, don't get me wrong, but the songs is what people were coming right. and calling in to listen to. They, the videos were great, of course, but they wanted to hear the music. Right. Last few questions for you guys. You mentioned something, Michael, that you got arrested in Australia. You can't yes. just you can't just throw that down and leave it. There. I know. Yeah. Do tell, Monsieur. Well, we we went and did an in store in Australia, and uh, we were in a limo town car going to the in store, and he's driving us, and we turn this corner and we look down the street, and it looked like a big festival going on. I'm like, and we were all like, "What's going on? What is this?" It was a sea of people, and he said, "Oh, that's your in store." So this guy. I don't know why he drove through the crowd. Oh my God. Like a sea, I mean, like a lot of people. Thousands and thousands. And when of he people. drove through the crowd, people were shaking and rocking the town car. We pulled up right to the door of the in store, and we had about maybe 10 feet, 12 feet between the car and the door. We had to get out and walk to the door. And when we got out, we didn't think it would be a big deal. When we got out, people started ripping our clothes and pulling our hair, <laughs> scratching us. Yes. And, it, it, you know, after a minute of that, it was like, ha, 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 ha. And then it was, oh, crap. Right. We're, we're going to die. <laughs> or at least it seemed that way. And, and people were just really excited to see us, and, which was incredible. We got inside. We didn't do the in-store. Because people were busting the glass on the roof, jumping up and down. Oh so they brought a paddy wagon in, backed it in. We got inside. We took a promo picture of us in handcuffs. <laughs> arrested. Against the law. Yeah, and they used that for promotion for the show the next night. And that's why I thought of Against the Law for the next record. But, you know, some, uh, a poor girl got pushed through the glass, and it almost took her arm off. It cut her really, really bad. She had to go to the hospital. I still have the, you know, the newspaper clipping from it. But w when we first pulled up, I, I remember seeing like a movie camera, and I thought, is a movie being filmed? I we didn't know what was happening. And then, ah, yeah. And I remember Oz getting knocked down on the ground. Yeah. I was yeah. behind him, and I watched someone yank his hat off, and he got knocked. On yeah, the they ground. thought he was Diana Ross. <laughs> <laughs> And they jumped all it over. It was him, crazy, man. but it was worse than us. We don't want anyone to get hurt, but it was a really 
the poor guy that owned the store was terrified. He's like, I can't let them in. I don't know what's going to happen. Pick out a few CDs and we'll cancel it. And boom, through the glass, here it comes. Zombies. It was, yeah. It was Any crazy. last questions, Joe? Uh, yeah, I just got a fun one to ask you. Your wife put me up to this one. What's with the beard? What, and how does she get rid of it? <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's low. <laughs> Man. You're hiding that beautiful face. What are you doing? I'm hiding this double chin. <laughs> the turkey, the turkey chin. <laughs> I'll shave it on, all right? No, but, yeah. I mean, this is kind of like the lion's mane of a man, right? I mean... <laughs> I got a, a couple last questions. Tell me your favorite. You guys did it today, which was great. Threw Bibles into the crowd. Famous, famous uh, striper uh, uh, tradition. Is there a, a favorite Bible story that stands out to you over the last 35 years of throwing these things into the crowd? Rob, um, you go first, and then I'll go after well, you. Well, when you say Bible story, I mean, um, I could take that a couple different ways. You mean... Not the actual uh, uh, stories in the Bible. I'm talking when you threw Bibles in the crowd. Like a story okay, that someone right. yeah. shared with you. Yes. Or... Okay, the one that seems to come to my mind I is... got a good one, but go ahead, Rob. I... Uh, <laughs> I got a letter one time from a guy who said he was going to commit suicide. I don't know what the issue was. And he had went to sit in his truck, and he had the pistol in his hand. And for some reason, he went to open his glove box to get some. I don't know what it was. But there was a striper Bible in the glove box that he had caught a couple years before. And he picked it up, and he started looking at it and reading it and he went you know what i'm not going to take my life mm. and i thought that is truly amazing how many of those situations do we not know about that have happened right wow right. see that's incredible yeah that's like powerful stuff yes right there. Now and now the i'm gonna now i'm gonna do something that's just like <laughs> let's hear the other side of the coin but it's true it really happened yeah. it's a true story and some, some people may have heard this before. I, I think I've told it before. But we were in Puerto Rico. And uh, we were playing Tito Puente Stadium. Baseball stadium. Yeah. Wow. Big, like, first time there. And there were a lot of people. And uh, I went up to the top of the bleachers and looked down over to where they had the box office. And they were selling tickets. And there was a good two or 3,000 people crowd down there. Big crowd. And I, wise guy Mike, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm going to throw a couple Bibles out over there, you know, to the crowd. <laughs> you know, they'll, they'll love it. And I went up there and I went, hey! And they went, Aah! everybody, just crazy. And I said, you guys want a Bible? Yeah! And I threw the Bible. They started beating the crap oh, out no. of each other. <laughs> like, Terrible. To get the Bible. And I went like this. I went... Uh-oh, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> and I, I walked down the bleachers and just went back like it never happened. I go, ooh. Chris yeah. and I were ready to wrestle for one for today. I know. We're throwing them, I was ready to you take them out. You tried to throw one, I mean, one guy swiped in the air and went to the left. Uh, <laughs> last question for him, obviously. And once again, I said, you guys are such humble guys and just great, great guys. Uh, but you did create something special. And Robert, you just said, you don't know how much... You, you have influenced over the years. Uh, as you continue with Striper, you guys will continue on probably forever until God takes you home. Do you feel overall that you've done a pretty great job of, of being God's servants on earth? 
it's such a, a different genre from what people would expect. Like, do you feel happy with what you've done? Well, I mean, I, you know, I feel disappointed in myself at times because I make mistakes. I'm a sinner. I, I don't always do it right, but I'm overjoyed that the Holy Spirit has seen and made the way possible for this to happen, right? We couldn't do it. So it's by his power, by his might, it's not by us. So um, we're not perfect, you know. If I could live my life over again, there are a few things we'd change, as all of us would, right? Yep. But I'm, I am happy that we have stood for Jesus. There's no greater name. Yeah. I'm telling you, no greater name. And I am proud of that name, and I love yeah. that name, and I love that man. I'll just add, I, you know, lately, the past two or three years, I've ticked a lot of people off because I've been trying to uh, represent myself uh, as real, you know, not that I haven't before, but, you know, some of you have seen me, like, smoking a cigar, you know, whatever. I, I enjoy it. wrong with smoking a cigar. <laughs> but, it, but interestingly enough, you'll see, you know, you'll talk to Christians who think that it's the worst sin ever. And that should not be connected with Christianity. Agreed. And, you know, or I'll have a bur. I enjoy bourbon, you know. That it, should it's not, not be connected it, not, with Christianity. Not to get hammered. I like the taste yes, of it. Yes, nothing wrong with that. And I try different bourbons. But, you know, people get up in arms about that. And I think, oh, my God, you're a sinner. You know, I used to respect don't. you. Literally, I've heard this more often than not. I used to respect you. I don't anymore. I'm done with you guys. Over, wow. over a picture of me. I'm yeah. serious. I mean, this is, this is our life. And we're used to it. It's fine. But... You know, at the end of my days, when I go to my grave, if anything's written on my tombstone, uh, you know, not that anything should be written. It should just be a blank tombstone. Um, Here lies Michael Sweet. And not, not even that, just blank. <laughs> but if anything is written, I would like it to say that, you know, I, he was real. You know, we, we might not have agreed with everything he said or thought or did, but he was real. And I just want to be a real person because I can't stand hypocrisy. Hypocrisy makes me sick. It really right. does. And that's been the whole message of Striper, guys. We really do mean it. We're flawed. We're not perfect. We're no better than any of you. But we do mean it. And we have connected with the Holy Spirit who helps us do this. So thank you, guys for being there for us and helping us. And without you guys, we can't do it. Technically, you're the boss. Okay, so we love you guys so much. Well, just much. so you know, too, once again, you guys have influenced more than you know, Joey Casada and myself, and so many people worldwide, thousands and thousands and thousands of millions. We thank you, I thank you, and thanks for being on the cruise and just rocking it today. Thank Amazing. you, buddy. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, guys. Robert Sweet, Michael Sweet. One last thing, really quick. I know we got to roll, but oh. yeah, yeah, and I said this earlier, but I want to say it again. Chris has always been a striper defender. Yes, thank you. He's brother. always Since he's he's waved the flag when you know many others have not. Many others have, but when many others have not, he he doesn't care. He waves the flag. He's always been there for us. And I tell you, man, look at. It does not go unnoticed. It's like we, we really right. love you, man, and respect you. And, and the fact that you had us here on your cruise. And this cruise has been incredible. Yeah. So 
I got one last story to say, and Will Byington is our photographer on the cruise. So in 1988, I went to see uh, Striper in uh, Grand Forks, North Dakota. Uh, we drove over the bar. I used my dad's car. I got uh, rock hit the car and put a huge dent in it. And uh, he was cool. He goes, it's just a piece of metal, is what he said. But I was going to see Striper. So I was, uh, I wanted to try and get backstage. And somehow you guys had a big meet and greet. And I just did the Jeff Spicoli and just stood in the back of the line. And nobody asked me about anything. So I walked in. I'm meeting Striper. And I had one of those old cameras where you go, and you turn it. And I'd taken all these cool pictures. I've sent some of you to Mike. And I finally got a chance. I was like, all I want to do is be Striper. The first guy was Oz. And I was a nerd, glasses, terrible mullet. And I took this picture with Oz. And then... My favorite, Robert Sweet. Can I please take a picture with you, Mr. Sweet? Sure. Take the picture. It's the last one on the roll. And it's gone. I take it to the drugstore where you have to get it developed. I get it back a week later. I'm looking through. Great picture. Great picture. Oh, there's a picture of me and Oz. I look like a nerd, but whatever. Then there's the Robert Sweet picture. Something happened where the thing cut in half. All I had was Robert... And my arm. <laughs> oh, that's a bummer. So can we make up for it by having uh, Will Byington take a picture of the four of us yes. today? Would that be okay? Sure. 35 years later, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, you, you want to you duplicate just... Oh, first. Cut him off. Cut him off. Get out of here. <laughs> Thank you, guys. All right, thanks everyone for listening to Talk is Jericho once again, all the way through 2021. And please stick with me to 2022. It's going to be the biggest year ever for Talk is Jericho. And I thank all of you for joining me, whether you've listened to one episode or all 800 plus. Uh, we're only just beginning. So have a great and safe, happy new year. And we'll see you next year in 2022, right here on Talk is Jericho.